The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff. Are you ready for a more erotic, ecstatic love life? I am. This is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Welcome to Ecstatica. Now, according to my guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson, most couples are not having the sex they really want, and they aren't talking about it. Most couples want more sex or better sex or both, and they don't know how to ask for it. So how do we get the sex we really want, and how do we tell our partners what our fantasies are? Today, we're going to discuss ways you and your partner can re-sexualize your partnership and have a more erotic connection, the one you truly desire. Welcome, Dr. Nelson. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Well, you know, I've participated in several of your online programs for sex therapists and counselors, and I've invited you here because I was so impressed with the insightful yet really down-to-earth and practical approach you you take to helping couples have better sex with deeper intimacy. And before we get to the meat of it, I'd like to tell listeners who aren't yet familiar with your work who you are and what you do. So Tammy Nelson is a sex and relationship expert, an author and sought-after international speaker and psychotherapist for couples who are looking for a more passionate life or are recovering from infidelity. She's a Ph.D., board-certified sexologist and licensed professional counselor, as well as a certified Imago relationship therapy therapist. And by the way, Imago is the work that uh, Dr. Harville Hendricks created, and he published in his book, um, Getting the Love You Want. Is that right? That's yeah. correct. Okay. Yeah. So um, Dr. Nelson is the author of three books, including Getting the Sex You Want, Shed Your Inhibitions and Reach New Heights of Passion Together, and The New Monogamy, Erotic Recovery After Infidelity. She teaches seminars for professionals and leads workshops around the world on how to dramatically shift your relationship. She lives with her husband and children in Connecticut and travels the world working for global relational change. And before we get to, um, regarding that last item, that you speak worldwide on global relational change, I have to ask, what is global relational change? And does this refer to what you see as trends in in intimate relationships? Well, I think there is a trend in internationally um, sort of recognized um, monogamy and what um, Mm -hmm. people people are looking for in relationships, but even more so how they um, really try to heal from betrayal or from hurt or even from, you know, what I call sexual neglect. So even at the same time that there is this really intense increase in 
you know, the capacity to get sex online, <laughs> to mm-hmm. find ways to cheat, to get your needs met sort of from somewhere beside your partner. At the same time, there's really a movement towards um, a deeper intimacy, wanting uh, sex to be more spiritual and more um, um, intimate in a deeper, more meaningful way. And I think that a lot of the things that have to change on a global level have to start with people's relationships. So, you know, just from our culture, just starting in America, right now, less people than ever are married in America, statistically. And that interests me because we're fighting for um, gay marriage and the right to marry at the same time that 40% of Americans think marriage is obsolete. (laughs) And it's really confusing. So, but that doesn't change the fact that we want uh, a partner, a pair-bonded relationship. We want someone to fall in love with. And, you know, that's almost a genetic craving. You know, we're still looking for that person that we can have a deeper, more meaningful, spiritual, and a sexual connection with. And, you know, the people that aren't married, statistically, men who aren't married work less, they buy less products, they contribute less, to the housing market, they get less mortgages. And I think it's really interesting that at a time when people are married less than ever before, we're in the midst of this huge mortgage crisis and, uh, you know, this financial downfall in our country. So I really do believe that, you know, in order to change everything on the bigger picture, we have to start with our relationships at home and learn how to um, not only manage conflict, but find that passion and connection that we're all longing for. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to make my partner miserable today. (laughs) (laughs) They might think the reverse, but, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned this evolution in the desire for deeper intimacy and even a spiritual connection with our partner, because I was just speaking on this yesterday, although I never made the, and I've always talked about the spillover effect in our families and our workplace and so forth of having a great uh, not only a great relationship, but a great sex life. And I never made, though, the connection between that and um, the global economy. I know. <laughs> taking, it, I know. taking it a big leap further. So that's really terrific. It sounds um, like a stretch, to, but I think they're related. <laughs> no, that's really interesting information. So, you know, I love one of the lines that I've read that you've written, which is, Enjoy your erotic life together. It's one thing that makes you more than just roommates, and you could probably find a better roommate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so relative to that, in what ways do you think developing a couple's erotic life can not only make them more than just roommates, but really contribute to the companionship aspect of relationship or any other important reasons you think there are to, to develop your sex life? I think, you know, you, Ellen, and all of us who are trained as professionals know and have learned that, you know, we used to think that if we changed our relationship, our companionship issues, our day-to-day roommate issues, if you will, you know, the the day-to-day management of our lives, the business of our marriage, if we change all that stuff, our communication, who's going to take out the garbage, how do we manage the kids, who picks up the pizza, the things that people normally argue about, money, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, if we fix all that and we get over all those resentments and learn to avoid all that conflict, then our sex life will improve. And that's what we've always been taught as therapists, you know, as our um, 
as the, you know, the self-help books teach us that, all that. But the reality is that that doesn't always work. And most people, you know, could climb over a giant pile of resentment in the middle of the bed to try to get to their partner by the <laughs> end of the day. But what really works is to work on your sex life. And if you can change your sex life and connect in the erotic part of your relationship, because the erotic part of the relationship is the part that makes you more than just roommates. That's the part where the in love piece is, the passion is, you know, yeah, all the rest of your It gets you on life. the same page to deal with all those right. other issues. It gets you on the same exactly. team. Exactly. And you feel like all the other stuff doesn't really matter so much. You know, so what if he doesn't take out the garbage? And, you know, so what if she's, you know, a little irritable? I mean, when you're connected in that erotic part of your relationship, um, you know that you have a deeper, more meaningful connection going on, and all the other stuff is stuff that you can work through. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, given that we only have an hour here, what do you feel are the most important things a couple can do to have a more passionate and fulfilling erotic and sexual life together? Um, One of the things that I think is really important, and this is for all couples, whether they've had a trauma to their sex life, whether they just had kids, whether there's been an affair, whether they just are looking to shake things up and spice it up, or whether they're looking for a deeper spiritual connection, is that they should start this week by having a sex date once a week. Well, let's skip right to that. I was going to talk about that later, so we can just... (laughs) Well, you know, if we're, if right we're not wasting time, let's go right there right now. Okay. And we can talk about what to do on the sex date later, but I think the most important thing is to carve out that sacred time for the erotic part of your relationship. You know, all the rest of the week can be for your companionship and, you know, for managing that business of your, of your relationship. But if you don't plan a sex date once a week say, Friday nights, 9 o'clock every week, and make that something sacred that you carve out in your relationship, regardless if you're tired, if you've been arguing, if the kids are driving you crazy, if there's something good on television, you commit to each other that your erotic life is more important than anything else going on, that you're going to meet in the bedroom, light the candle. It doesn't matter if you have intercourse, but what matters is that you are um, practicing, that you're practicing the art of intimacy, of being together, of honoring one another. And, you know, some people resist that idea because it's not spontaneous. But, you know, I tell you, you can be spontaneous as you want if you plan the night around it. Right. And, you know, when people talk about spontaneity, it wasn't spontaneity usually when we first started dating. Dating. You know, you set a time to get together. Exactly. And And then whatever happened within that time was spontaneous. So you're just taking it to the later stages of the relationship. Exactly. And, you know, it gives you time to anticipate what might happen, to fantasize about what could happen. You know, I call it anticipatory eroticism. So you're anticipating um, being aroused. And that's what desire is. Desire is longing for your partner. If you have something that's, you know, out there in the future planned, then you have a chance to long for it. And longing is where the fantasies start to start to kick in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And before people who are listening to this start to balk because they have work and family responsibilities, I want to have listeners consider a few things. One is where on your list of priorities and you know, where do you want your your relationship, the happiness with your partner to be 
as a list on your list of importance in your um, life. And remember that there is a beneficial spillover effect of a satisfying relationship and a fulfilling sex life for your family and your work life. And reconsider the long list of accomplishments and ongoing involvements Tammy has on be- <laughs> all on behalf of you having a better sex life. And she has kids at home, right? A husband and children and a business. So um, if, if she can do it, we can all do it. And so I think it's just, yeah, just carving out that time. We'll get, so later on in this program, we'll talk specifically about you know, how to set that up with that, that sex date and what the, the possibilities are. Because we do want to give people some specifics that they can work with beyond this. So, um, why do you think long-term commitment seems to kill the passion in marriage? Or why do we get bored? Well, you know, I really like what you said about the commitment to your sex date. Um, you know, if you were taking a yoga class, you would commit to going every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would carve out that hour and a half to a practice of yoga or to taking piano lessons or something that was important to you. Um, I think, you know, honoring that same commitment to your relationship, I think there's a, an assumption that we should just know how to do this and that the longer we're together, it should get better and better. And yeah, the most virtue. important things in life we don't teach people in, in <laughs> school, like how to raise kids, how to, you know. <laughs> right, how to be in how to prepare meals and how to have a great relationship and maintain your love life, yeah. Right. And so, you know, you know that if you want to get better at yoga, you have to take classes. You know that if you want to practice the piano, you have to spend a lot of hours at home practicing. But this assumption that the longer you're together, the better it should be, you know, like you said, without the manual, except my, for my book, of course, without the, um, without the practice, it actually gets worse. And... So a lot of people feel like, well, if it's getting worse, then I must have married the wrong person. And if I just trade them in for someone else, then then I'll be okay. Or I must have made a mistake. You know, we we should never have gotten married. And we kind of rewrite the history of our marriage, trying to remember it differently to justify leaving our partner, which in some cases is fine. Sometimes marriage has an expiration date. And... Um, you know, when affairs happens, and sometimes that's a can opener and a way to get out. Mm. But for most, most people that want to stay in their relationship and have long-term monogamy, um, and however they describe that, but they want it to be hot, you know, monogamy is antithetical to eroticism because eroticism is illicit, it's forbidden, it's naughty, it's bad, it's not committed, <laughs> it's not settled <laughs> in. It's not sitting on the couch every night, you know, watching TV. You know, you long for someone um, who you don't have. You long for something that's over there. Your attraction happens in the space in between you. So when you're sitting next to each other on the couch every night, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's time for us to take a short break. And when we come back, I would like to get into... um, your five ways to a fair proof your marriage before it's too late. You're talking about how we can lose our eroticism. Um, so I would love to talk about that. And before I make sure I don't forget, your books um, can be are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's getting the sex you want and the, and um, the new monogamy. Th- thank you. Yeah, I was just looking for the new monogamy, which is really about how to repair a relationship after 
infidelity. Is that right? Yep, and you can get it on my website, which is drtammynelson.com. Great. Okay, so this is Ellen Etoff, and my guest is Dr. Tammy Nelson. And when we come back, we are going to talk about ways to affair-proof your marriage. You're listening to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life on Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. So stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure. And free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica with my guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson, sex and relationship expert, psychotherapist, and author of Getting the Sex You Want. Now, we were just talking about how long-term monogamy can often be... um, the last thing that automatically generates passion and eroticism in a relationship and the desire, as you said, to always want the, what we don't have, sort of like the grass is always greener on the other side, is what I'm guessing can often lead to um, 
affairs, whether they're emotional or get physically engaged. And I believe you said that neglect of erotic needs in a relationship can only last for about three years maximum, and then they're likely to erupt. So if that's the case, let's get into what you call the five ways to affair-proof your marriage before it's too late. Uh, yeah, and I and I just want to say, you know, I, I don't want to sound like this is a pat answer to a much more complicated question because I think every marriage is different and every couple is different, and you know, there's a situation for every affair that needs to be talked about. But that being which, by said, the way, is a good reason to have. I mean, if you're having difficulties. Contacting Dr. Nelson on her drtammynelson.com site is a great way to to get personal attention because you can get private sessions with her. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that because um, I do I do really believe that each you know each affair happens for a reason, and there's as many types of affairs as there are couples. Um, but your point is well taken that you know that erotic energy that we talk about as being you know, so important, it's part of your own life force, that erotic energy has to go somewhere. If it's not in your relationship between the two of you, it's going to get split off outside of your relationship or it's going to get closed down <laughs> inside of you somewhere deep down until maybe the kids mm-hmm. grow up. Or, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the split-off you know, erotic uh, energy outside the relationship can come back. You can bring it back in. But there are things you have to do. And, you know, part of it is goes back to the idea of having a sex date once a week. If you can bring um, the importance back to carving out an erotic uh, commitment to each other, a lot can happen once you set aside that time. If you don't set aside that time, you're not going to spontaneously say, okay, you know, take me now especially if things are tense and you're tired, if you have a job, if you have children. Um, you need a time to practice this stuff. So if you are trying to, quote-unquote, affair-proof your marriage or recover from an affair or from neglect or bring your energy back into the relationship, maybe you feel like it's starting to get split off now and you're a little worried about it, um, create a space in your relationship to have sex, to share your fantasies, to shake things up, to talk about your erotic life. Give yourself the time and space to create something a little bit more sexy and exciting. If you don't have the, the space to do it, it's probably not going to happen, and you're more likely to try to get your erotic needs met outside the relationship. And the second piece and, and then I'll let you uh, ask me a question about that if that's not clear. The second piece is the um, communicating. And communicating is such, you know, so trendy to say, oh, you need to communicate to keep your relationship hot and together. But what does that really mean? Does it mean waiting for the other person to stop talking before it's your turn? <laughs> Um, you know, it really means sharing what's working in the relationship and what you want more of and um, what you want to try. It's Do you not have a specific, just, special protocol or a, sort of like a, a little jumping off script people can use? Because it's so easy to make it sound like you're um, demanding, you know. And I think what, what's a good way for – do you have just like a short recommendation for people to begin the process of sharing something that they may have been not discussing for years? Um, yes, and that goes to, thank you for asking that, because that goes to the third thing that you need to do to prevent an affair, which is appreciation. 
Yes. Because you always get more of what you appreciate. So you don't change your sex life by saying, I hate it when you go to the right. You change it by saying, I love it when you go to the left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, most of us communicate by complaining about what's wrong, by what you're not doing for me. You know, the moment, part of what lo- happens in long-term relationships is the moment we commit to forever, we regress. And we regress to what we know of forever, which is our parents and that unconditional love. So you should love me unconditionally. I don't love you unconditionally. Let me give you the list of what you're doing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and that's the thing is it's not even just waiting until you want to express something you want specifically erotically, but the everyday kinds of appreciations help build toward that, don't you think? I do, and that's why you're asking sort of for a, you know, a protocol for what to say. That's why I think in the appreciation category, um, one thing that really works, and I'll give you it right now if you're a listener and you want to write this down, or if you want to email me, I can send you this in a handout. My email is Tammy at DrTammyNelson.com, or you can email me through my website. But an appreciation would sound like one thing I appreciate about you is, and fill in the blank, and it could be anything. The next one is one thing I appreciate about you sexually is. Ah, yes. And then the third one is simply one thing that I would like more of in our sex life. And that's it. So those three things, you're building on what's already working. You're not pointing out what's not working, how the other person's letting you down. You're not criticizing them. You're not complaining. You're not pointing out how come you never. You're building on what's already working. And frankly, it opens up the frontal cortex of your brain. It really works neurologically so that you can be heard and softened. Yes, so that that you're not, you don't set your partner into defensive mode. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. Yes. So that's, that's so good. I love that little protocol. Um, So, one thing you've mentioned here was, well, let's get, I know there were five things, so since I said the Number five, unfortunately, <laughs> you said oh, okay. you said you know setting apart sex time, you know time for that sex life together, that sex date, communication, appreciations, and um, and I think that in these five, you've already incorporated those in the three that tell them what you need, the um, have sex, and honesty, which kind of comes back to uh, one of the things I think is. I get asked about and I think is of such great interest to people, and that is the honesty about what's going on inside you, in particular, your fantasy life. And I'd like to get into what you think people should and should not share about their fantasy life and how sharing at least some of that can really deepen their intimacy. And in one of your courses, you shared, um, I don't know if this is the best one for you to share, you might have other examples, but you discussed a couple where the husband had a fantasy about his wife having sex with another man, and how just the exploration of that, without necessarily acting on it, really deepened their understanding of each other and their, their intimacy. Yeah, I mean, I think those, thank you for sharing that. I think that the last two um, really go together. You know, tell, the, tell your partner what you need and be honest. So telling your partner what you need, you know, your partner can't read your mind. And I think we get so disappointed because we have an expectation that if you really love me, you would just know what my fantasies are. <laughs> you just know what I want. I shouldn't have to tell you. And if I have to tell you, it's embarrassing because if you really knew, then you you might not like me or you might act them out. You might actually have to do them. 
And that's you're right. You're right. That's the scary part for some people. Like, I didn't really want to act it out. I just wanted to, you know, imagine it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's exactly right. Because fantasies are many times just that, fantasies. You know, your, your mind, particularly for women, is a big, giant sex organ. So it's a great way to get turned on to have this fantasy, but it can be really scary and messy and dirty to sort of take it into action. And so the difference between sharing a fantasy and telling your partner what you need um, might sound like, you know, I have this fantasy I want to tell you, but I'm just curious about it. I don't necessarily want to take it into action. And that's a really safer way to share a fantasy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, given that example of the man who has a fantasy about his wife having sex with another guy, you know, he was really clear about saying, but I don't ever really want to take this into action. I don't think I could handle it in real life. And frankly, I don't, I don't think it would ever be as good in real life as it is in my mind. Yeah, right. um, but it turns me on to think about it and to talk about it and to share with you, like, what would you be doing and what would he be doing and what would you be wearing? And, and they could talk about it for the rest of their lives and get turned on by it without ever having to really do it. And so she doesn't have to um, get anxious about it because she was particularly anxious about it. And he doesn't have to worry that she would actually um, take it into action. If at some point they decide they want to do it, then they have to have a different discussion. Right. And what I particularly loved is the next step, which was really exploring what it what what took them to I think a deeper level of intimacy just in my experience of your talking about this um, in, on the class is that in their exploration of why that fantasy was uh, erotic for him and that you know the the whole thing about knowing who you are I can see why that would turn you on I, am I getting that wrong or no, the way that I help people process their fantasies, and to be honest, I don't remember that particular couple. Okay, about well, it what, could be anything. You meant. can just yeah. describe but an I, example. The way that I process fantasy and help couples talk about it is, particularly if you're sharing a fantasy that your partner is kind of turned off by, um, it's a great way to help you find an, um, sexual empathy. And sexual empathy there many times leads to erotic curiosity. So, you know, if you find that your fantasy is sort of a turnoff to your partner, sometimes it can lead to um, wanting to know more instead of shutting down. So I'll give you another example. Um, and I may have talked about this before, but there's a guy that I have in the heterosexual couple, and he had a fantasy of uh, being in a sex swing, something that hangs from the ceiling. And he, he was sitting there. He wanted to be in the sex swing, and he wanted her to give him oral sex or to have sex with him in the sex swing. And she was totally freaked out by that. You know, she didn't want the hook in the ceiling. It was going to bring down their whole house. <laughs> she was horrified by the idea. matters. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're middle-aged. What are you thinking? What would the neighbors think? I mean, she was totally freaked out. And then um, I asked him to tell her more about what would it feel like for him emotionally. What did it mean to him? And he and that's talking, the deeper piece, yes. Yes. And so he started talking about, well, it would mean I would feel weightless. I would feel like I was off oh. the ground. And it would feel like there was no pressure on my body. And then we talked more about that. Well, what would that feel like? He said, well, then I wouldn't have any pain in my knees. And my hips, I've had pain in my knees my whole life. He was very overweight. And he said, you know, I always feel guilty in bed that I, you know, have to stop in the middle or I don't want to lie on top of her because I'm afraid I'm going to crush her. I can't do certain positions 
because of my hips. And so, you know, I, we have to stop early sometimes, and I feel like I'm not satisfying her. And he said, frankly, the idea of being weightless is really a turn-on for me. And she said, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. And that makes sense to me. And, they and sort then of it leaves them open it. to the potential for looking for other ways to meet some of exactly. the needs that he was really trying to address. Exactly. And what they decided on was to do it in a pool. Ah! <laughs> she could, that turned her on, to do it naked in the water. He could float. He ah. wasn't going to bother his knees or her, his hips. And it was really hot for her to do it in the water, to do it naked. In the, they had a pool because the neighbors might... Might see them, and that she thought that was really sexy, <laughs> and that's called sexual empathy. So, when you don't really understand your partner's turn on, ask them, "Can you tell me more about that? Tell me more about what that what that means to you. What's hot about that for you?" Until you can get to a place where you have some empathy. If you don't have empathy, it probably just means you don't have enough information. That is such a critical key, and I hope people are really listening to this. And in case you didn't quite catch that, I want you to know later the, um, the replay will be available for the show. And also, transcripts for the show will be available on ecstatica.com slash show. So I, I think that's such important information that people are going to want to re-listen or re-read that. Because just going to that deeper level of what the motivation is or what the underlying need is may help people find a place where they can have that common ground to meet those needs. Whereas superficially, if you just stop that your turn off to your partner's fantasy, you could miss that whole deeper piece that can lead you not only to um, deeper intimacy, but having some common ground and a new way to explore sex life. Right, and so, to decrease so much of the shame that keeps people yes. so shut down and forces them outside of the relationship because they think, well, my partner will never be into that. So I have to find someone else or I have to go on porn or I have to do something to shut my partner out instead of trying to bring them in. Right. So um, I do want to address the fantasies that are best not to share, but before uh, we do that, we're going to take our last break. This is Ellen Etoff with my guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson on Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. 
Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica discussing how to get the sex you want with Dr. Tammy Nelson. Now, we've been talking about the, um, the whole realm of fantasy within a couple's life and sharing fantasies and how doing so can help take you to um, a deeper understanding of each other and finding ways to explore. Uh, expand your erotic life together in ways you might not have even fantasized about. So um, what fantasies would you say are best not to share? <laughs> well, you know, I can imagine, my... but I'm saying you might have some better ideas even. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my world um, of, you know, helping people expand their fantasy world and uh, explore their fantasies and share them with their partner. There's not much that you can't share, but I will tell you there are parts of your fantasy um, that you ha- you may have to change the way that you share. So, in other words, it's very hostile to share. Um, my fantasy is I'm really hot for our neighbor Marge. Um, that's yeah. not a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, talk about it. You know, a turn down and defensive mo- mode you're shoving your partner into. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to, if you have a fantasy about someone specific, um, that's not a way to share a fantasy with your partner. That's a way to hurt your partner. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I have a fantasy about, you know, some housewife that, you know, comes to our house and brings us a cup of sugar and you decide that you're going to, you know, have sex with her in front of me. And, you know, if you can make it generic enough so that it's not really personal and painful, um, that's fine. It's it's not safe to um, say you have a fantasy about your wife's best friend or your husband's best friend. Um, and the... Um, uh, the way that you share that might be, you know, I have a fantasy about having a threesome with you and another guy, um, or you and one of your buddies comes over after, you know, playing baseball and you're all sweaty. Um, there's a way to, to sort of word that so that it's not personally hurtful. Mm-hmm. I also would be careful if you have fantasies about, um, 
about hurting your partner, like, you know, choking them or spanking them or hitting them with a, a, a belt or something, but that you never, ever want to take into action. You want to be really clear when you share those with your partner. I have this fantasy. I don't ever want to take it into action. And I don't have a fantasy of, of breaking your skin or bruising you or bringing blood up. Um, it's just kind of a, a Fifty Shades of Grey fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, toning it down so that your partner doesn't panic and say, oh, my God, I'm going to call the police because you want to kill me. Um, <laughs> and it might be important to talk about it with a therapist or someone first to learn how to talk about that and to even be clear with the therapist that you have no intentions of actually hurting your partner first. Right. Now, what as, as, you were, as people are exploring being more honest with each other, and I think this is so important because it's part of the whole trust package, which I think is a really foundational a- aspect of not only relationship, but specifically your sex life, to feel free to really be fully expressive. But when you get into exploring fantasies, it's only natural, I think, for people to ask their partner, like, well, have you ever fantasized about Marge next door? So... What do you suggest about being honest in response to specific queries like that? Um, I think that's a complicated question because, you know, you want to be honest with your partner. At the same time, you don't want to say something that's really hurtful. You know, the truth is that 98% of us fantasize about someone other than our partner. I like to think that that's true about me, but not of my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I only want him to think about me sexually, yeah. Of course. Of course I'm the only person. And that's flattering if he says, oh, no, I never think about anybody but you. But if he says, oh, yeah, I was fantasizing about someone else while we were having sex last night, I might feel a little hurt. (laughs) And But if he can say... um, you know, I was fantasize. I do fantasize sometimes about other people um, having sex with you or having sex with us, um, but they're sort of generic. If he, if I say, well, do you ever have sexual fantasies about my friend Erica? I'm asking for trouble because once I get that that answer, if I really want it, um, I can never get that answer out of my head. Exactly. So it's a exactly. warning to people who are asking those kind of questions and fishing. Um, to be really clear about what's the answer you're really looking for. Is the answer under na- underneath that the an- um, you're really looking for, are you still hot for me? Um, you, you know, do you, are you concerned that he's getting bored and not, you know, not really um, uh, turned on by someone that he's been with for 20 years? Um, I think you should maybe, um, uh, you know, dress up as someone else and, go out to the front door one night, ring the bell, and say, hi, you don't know me, but I saw you in the, at the baseball game the other night. I thought I'd stop by. Do a little role play. Shake it up. Excellent. Oh, that can be a lot of fun, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, I would imagine another answer could be, yes, sure, I fantasize about other people, and I'm sure you do, too, but the, you're the only person I would really, you know, want to have sex with. I mean, I don't know if that's, maybe that's not even true for a lot of people, but I'm just trying to bring it back to that. So all of this we've been discussing is part of these five ways to affair-proof your marriage or your relationship. So I just wanted to, before we leave this, I wanted to kind of um, recap those five things just to put them into context. So we have honesty, which we've been exploring rather deeply here, appreciation, Uh, Number three, tell them what you need, which we've also gotten into uh, quite nicely. 
communicate and have sex because as you said initially, you know, a lot of people think you have to fix your relationship first, but you and I agree that, you know, fixing your sex life first can help you develop and work on the rest of your relationship. So, um, anything else you want to say about those, that whole fair proof your marriage thing before we move on to the next thing? Well, I want to be clear that, you know, it, a fair proofing your marriage almost sounds like it's up to the, the person being cheated on to make sure that their partner doesn't go elsewhere. I want to make sure that people know that it's always the responsibility of the person that cheats um, to take, take the ultimate responsibility for crossing the line and um, that the biggest piece of uh, preventing an affair is being honest. And sometimes being honest is scary. And, you know, we tend to talk the least about sex to the person we're actually having sex with. So all of That is things- so true. Oh, and it, yeah. It's am- I don't know why. Why do you think that is? Well, because I think it's, it becomes more and more threatening the longer we're together. You know, it's okay in the beginning because you've got nothing to lose. The longer you're together, you know, the less sexual you become because the more safe you want to feel. Safety and sexuality don't necessarily go well together. Risk an adventure and sex go great together, even a little fear. But, you know, I mean, think about, you know, the couple who were doing it in the pool and were a little bit worried that people were going to find them and see them. Fear is kind of sexy. Safety, not so much. So the idea is not necessarily to feel safe with your partner, but to work on trust. Trust means that even if, even if there is a risk your partner is going to cheat, you're going to always trust your own intuition and know what's going on in your relationship. That's really good because so many people who are being cheated on, when things finally come to, you know, to being exposed, they say, yeah, I really did have a feeling for a long time, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to believe it, you know, mm-hmm. so trusting your own intuition and trying to, and trusting that early on so you realize that the energy and attention is is separating so you can start to focus on it and bring it back before you get to that next stage. Right, right, exactly. So um, what about couples who haven't been having sex for a long time? Um, Where do you suggest they begin if they want to, you know, bring their relationship back into the erotic realm? Well, that's a great question. So those are what I call, um, you know, sexual neglect couples. Mm-hmm. That's different than people who've been through sort of the trauma of an affair. Um, I know but, so many sexually neglected couples personally <laughs> and in work, you know. Sure, it's sure. So, and that, what is it? Like 10% of the population isn't having, are considered sexless marriages? I mean, 10% of marriages? At least 10%, if not more. Yeah, I think it's a little I mean, higher. Sex, yeah, I don't think people admit it. I think no. there's actually a lot more women that want sex and that men are shutting down much more often than women now. And because a lot more women are coming forward and saying, God, you know, my husband doesn't want to have sex. And men don't admit that they don't want to have sex because it feels like, geez, I'm a guy. I'm supposed to want sex all the time. Well, let's talk uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk about it with their friends. They don't, you know, talk about it with a therapist. They're embarrassed. And part of that is, you know, how men view themselves as sexual creatures. You know, if they can't get an erection upon demand and they can't ejaculate across the room, which I think they get from porn, um, then totally. they start. <laughs> 
they start to... Being a teenager, which they've long since passed. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and it's not what we're looking for in sex at all. So, the um, but the embarrassment and the shame of the performance issues will sometimes make men stop having sex, and they'll withdraw from sex, or they'll try to, you know, um, initiate sex at a time when their female partners are not interested or can't have sex, you know, early in the morning, late, late at night, or times when it's just inconvenient. So then it's, it sounds like my wife never wants to have sex, and that right. way they don't have to face their issues. So, or it could be that, you know, people just grow apart and because the sex isn't good. I see many couples who, you know, 10 years down the line, they want to get divorced because they're not having sex at all. But if you go back to when they were having sex, she never had an orgasm. They had sex that wasn't satisfying for either of them, and they never talked about it. Yes, so, and I think this is important. An uh, issue that happens when women move into menopause, oftentimes, um, yeah, they may have a lower hormonal level. Some women, have, of course, have higher libido after menopause. But many sure. of their libido drops, but if the other aspects of their sex life are good, that, you know, we don't always have to operate from hormones. There can be a whole other realm of, of commitment and, and fun together and, and pleasure that is a motivation to have sex without necessarily having to be hormone-driven. But if you're not having good sex, as you just said, or if she was never really satisfied, menopause can kind of be an excuse to end it. Yeah, I think that's a very, very important part that you're talking about. I think that's a really, really important piece, and I don't think people talk about that, that sometimes menopause can be an excuse because women um, don't walk around with desire driving uh, their need for sex. Women have to feel aroused before they feel desire. So it doesn't matter if you're in menopause or if you just got your period. You need arousal before desire. That's right. So arousal happens when you're physically turned on. Maybe it starts in your head, and then you go through many phases or plateaus or stages of arousal before you get to that place. Some women don't even feel desire until right before they have an orgasm, and they say, oh, we should do this more often. (laughs) So what do you suggest for um, either partner, or let's say the woman who really would like to have more sex with her partner, and he's backed off because of the, you know, the concerns about performance and so forth. Where do they begin? Well, I think, you know, if, if we go back to my initial suggestion for all couples, you still need to carve out a sex date once a week. So you need to agree on the same time every week that you're going to meet for a sex date. Now, it doesn't matter if you have sex on the other nights or no sex on the other nights, but on your sex date night, you're going to meet whether you feel like it or not. You're going to go to your room. You're going to light a candle. You're going to turn on music. You're going to create an environment that's sexy and sensual. If you have not had sex for a long time, though, you should not have intercourse for six weeks, but you should meet every night in your bedroom for six weeks and do something sexy. Now, for some couples... Every single be, night for six weeks, huh? No, every single sex date night. Oh, okay. So people are going to be oh. relieved. Okay, once a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> once a week. Yeah, okay, we have just a couple that. minutes. So let's go, let's go further into this sex date. <laughs> Briefly. So once a week <laughs> for six weeks. And maybe the first week you both lie together naked and that's all you do. 
Maybe the second week you give each other a massage. You're both naked, but you give each other a nice massage, but don't touch the bikini areas at all. It's just a nice, sensual experience. Okay. The next week you give each other a massage, and you touch everything, but no orgasm and no penetration. You're just naked, nice massage, you get to touch each other, and you feel what it's like to be touched again. You may not have touched each other for years. Yes. And so it's a slow working up. And I have a six-week protocol that I can email people to if they email me. And um, it gives a step-by-step direction um, to how to do it. I also have a teleclass coming up that's called Six Weeks to Desire. And it describes, you know, how do you do the six weeks and how do you build back up? Because I think it's important for people who haven't had sex for a long time to not have intercourse as the goal. You know, it's not about getting to the finish line. Mm -hmm. Yes. Especially as we get older. I think it's so, great to learn how to appreciate really being in the moment and touching each other and the sensual experiences of that. And, you know, if there's intercourse, that's great. But if there's not, that's okay, too. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. So um, I hope people are really paying attention to this. And because you've described a couple of these protocols, the one about communication and the six-week erotic date protocol, would you like to give your email once again? Sure, I'm happy to send anybody these um, handouts. It's Tammy at drtammynelson.com. So it's T-A-M-M-Y at drtammynelson.com. Or you can find me through my website, www.drtammynelson.com. You can also find my books there, uh, Getting the Sex You Want or The New Monogamy. Yes, and those are also available in most major bookstores, including Barnes & Noble and, of course, on Amazon. Or, again, go directly to her site, drtommynelson.com. And I know you have some programs coming up soon and offer a lot of programs on an ongoing basis. So I really recommend listeners getting in touch with you so that they can learn more about those programs as they become available. So um, just... I. I want to thank you so much for being here. This has been so rich with so much great information, actionable information for, for couples. Um, I just really appreciate this. And uh, listeners, if you'd like a transcript of this show or my other Ecstatica shows on Voice America and links to Dr. Tammy Nelson's uh, site, visit ecstatica.com. That's E-X-T-A. T-I-C-A dot com forward slash show, S-H-O-W. So once again, thank you so much, Tammy, for being here. This has been a lot of fun, and we'll be sure and have you back. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Great. So thank you for listening to Ecstatica. This is Ellen Etoff in support of you having an erotic, ecstatic love life. We hope you've learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life, with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.